Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast. Hope everybody's doing well. College football, the first Saturday was here. It has come and gone. We still have a game today on Sunday. We'll have LSU versus Florida State, and then a game tomorrow, Clemson versus Georgia Tech. So we'll discuss those games later on. But we had a lot of college football and a lot of things to talk about. A lot of things happen that normally we don't always get lucky enough to have all these things to talk about. But there was a ton to talk about uh, from the first couple days of college football. So welcome in, everybody. Make sure you're hitting the like button, subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Follow and rate it uh, wherever you get your podcast. But if you please can rate it and review it on Apple and iTunes. It goes a long, long way. Uh, also check out the belly up media network at bellyupsports.com uh, different blogs podcasts and everything there for everybody something out there not just sports related bellyupsports.com a lot of happened in college football there's a lot to get through we're not even gonna get through everything in this this little episode we're just gonna go over different games there's a lot of games that we're gonna discuss that kind of caught everybody's attention caught my attention um, and college football, and then we'll have a different episode for college football week one shockers because we're not even get to the big ones, in my opinion, that were shockers that a lot of people are talking about. And, uh, you know, just college football, it's great when you have a lot to talk about. It's great when 
um, these type of games happen and there's upsets out there. There's things that should be a little bit of alarming for some teams out there in college football. Um, we're going to start off with a couple shout outs. And yes, you know, people have said I'm biased on some of these, but we're going to go with it anyway. I have to give a couple shout outs to people that have been uh, on this podcast. I first have to give a shout out to Coach Rodriguez. He's the offensive line coach at Akron. They faced off against St. Francis um, out of Pennsylvania. And Coach Rodriguez joined Coach Moorhead. They used to coach together. Uh, Coach Rodriguez was on the podcast back before the season started. We had a good discussion on recruiting, you know, the landscape of college football, how he got there, and the the type of program they're taking over and how they're going to try to rebuild. We talked good offensive line play, so go check that, that, that episode. But I have to give a shout-out to him. At Akron, they pulled away in an overtime win over uh, St. Francis. Out of Pennsylvania, they won 30-23 to in overtime. And so, you know, to some people, that's not a staple win because you're a Division One program. But Akron is, has not been in a good place, and they're literally rebuilding from the ground up. You know, if you listen to the episode, we talk about all the people, all the all the players they had lost because of the new program, the stuff they were putting in. And, you know, you kind of – there's different phrases for that. It's called cutting the fad. It's called – you know, uh, weeding out the players that you don't want or need in your program, and that's what Akron is doing at Coach Rodriguez. So to get their first win at Akron is a huge deal for them, and so I wanted to give um, them a shout-out at Akron and Coach Rodriguez there, um, who is on the podcast and has, you know, graciously helped me out if I want to reach out and ask him offensive line questions. He helps out. So shout out to him and Akron getting that first win and continuing on to another coach has been on this podcast many, many times. Um, and you need to go check out all those episodes as well. Um, Ohio university got their first win of the year. Uh, they, you know, they hosted, I believe they hosted, um, FAU, uh, Florida Atlantic, and they got that win, and they, you know, they they balled out. They balled out in that game. But shout out to them and Coach Rudolph. He is the offensive line coach, and he's the assistant um, or the co-OC. I should say not assistant OC. The co-OC. Um, they hosted FAU, which which is great to to get a Division One. Even though I know it's not big big time Division One. And FAU and people consider Ohio not, but they're in the MAC. It's great football. They hosted FAU and they get the win, forty-one to thirty-eight. After being down in the first quarter, ten to three, and then they come and score 10, 14, and fourteen. Even though FAU scored twenty-one in the fourth, and I know they're going to address that, but they balled out. And a shout out to their quarterback, who was twenty-seven to thirty-four, three hundred forty-five yards and four touchdowns. And then their leading rusher had one hundred fourteen yards. And they have a leading receiver of 138 yards. So they balled out um, after struggling a little bit at the beginning. They balled out. And so shout out to Coach Rudolph. He's been on the podcast here many times and is gracious enough. And, um, you know, I've we've forced I forced him to be my friend, but we, we've become friends. You know, uh, we could try to talk throughout the season as much as we can and, and everything else. So congratulations to Coach Rudolph. Um and the Ohio University Bobcats for their win, uh, which is which is huge to get a big early win, especially against 
Uh, I, I, I don't even know if you want to consider Florida Atlantic a big time Division One program, but big time uh, win for them there. So congratulations to Coach Rudolph and company there at Ohio University. And then just the last quick shout out. Um, they didn't get the win, but the way they played and came back. Um, the Eastern Illinois Panthers, they traveled Thursday, that Thursday night and they went to play Northern Illinois up here in DeKalb. And, you know, Northern Illinois playing in the MAC as well. Being Division One, Eastern Illinois being 1AA or the FCS level. They were down um, a little bit there. They were down 21 to 6 at halftime and then held Northern to only 7 and 6 points in the third and fourth quarter. And then Eastern scored 7 and 14, third and fourth quarter, um, or 14 in the fourth quarter. They lost 34 to 27. But to be, take a positive out of it, um, under Coach Wilkerson, he's been on the podcast as well. Um, taking over a program in Eastern. Uh, he was the head coach at the University of Chicago, which was Division Three college up here in the um, in the city of Chicago. He was an assistant at AAU years ago. So his first game as a head coach, being down, working back, trying to, um, you know, come back, which was great. Um, his quarterback had two interceptions, which did hurt them, but he did, outside of those, when he settled in, played well. Um, O'Brien, their quarterback, 25 of 34, 276 yards, three touchdowns, but he had the two interceptions. Um, they had a lead, their leading rusher was 100 yards, which to put the, up those kind of numbers against Northern Illinois is something that you need to take away. And they distribute the ball around to different receivers pretty well. It's just the turnovers, but their defense started to step up, go up against a Division One team to do that. And I know Northern is not the top launch of you know Division One, but it's still Division One plays in the MAC. They you know play, Northern. Northern was really, really good last year. Um, so to to get that type of production, um, I think EIU will play. To do that, I think EIU will compete in the OVC. So those are kind of my biased ways. I'm going to start off this um, going to EIU, um, having Coach Wilkerson on the podcast. So good, you know. There's positives to take away from that EIU game versus NIU. Moving on in our college football week one review. Oklahoma State did get the win over Central Michigan, but it was it was fireworks. Um, tons of fireworks in that game. Oklahoma State comes away with the win 58-244. 58-244. Now, the reason why I'm going to talk about this game is, Steve, why are you talking about this game? It's 58-44. Well, they were playing Central Michigan. Now, Central Michigan is not a bad program. Uh, They seem to be pretty good at football uh, every other year, so they're pretty good. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because I wanted to read you what Oklahoma State scored in the first half. They scored 16 in the first quarter, 28 in the second quarter. Okay, Central Michigan scored 7 in the first and 8 in the second. Okay, so right then and there, you're like, oh my goodness, Oklahoma State should just boom, 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 continue to score, put them out, everything else. Third quarter, they each score seven. Okay, you might be getting some subs in Oklahoma State, you're dialing back the play call, you know, Central Michigan, you know, you should have better athletes than them. Well, then Oklahoma State only scores seven in the fourth, and then Central Michigan scores 22 in the fourth. Now, is this a big deal? It is and it isn't, and we're going to talk about why. It's not a big deal because you won the game. 
all over college football, you saw the scores, how teams competed with um, bigger opponents or lesser opponents. And when we get to the college football week one shockers, and there's a few of them that we'll get to later on, you'll see why. There's a lot of FCS schools that are good. There's a lot of subdivision one schools that are pretty good. And some of these bigger division ones, they're gonna they're getting some competition. You can't just roll over everybody anymore like it was way back when, especially when we had the computerized system and these conferences weren't as big and you know there was you know these these top ten teams were always gonna be the team and now it's always seemed to be Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, those are like the top ones. But now below those, there seems to be a lot more um, fairness. I don't know if that's right with fairness, equal, you know, competitiveness in the in these uh, games. What's concerning is you have Jim Knowles, defense coordinator who left and went to Ohio State, and we'll talk about Ohio State later on here. You know, we've got the paper talking about it, what the games that we're going to talk about. Even if Jim Knowles left Oklahoma State, your Oklahoma State, who was literally inches away from winning the Big 12, you beat Oklahoma last year, you had a great season last year. Even if he left, no matter who took that, you should not allow Central Michigan to come into your place and score 22 points in the fourth, let alone 44 points altogether. If you're Oklahoma State and you score a little bit less in that second quarter, turn the ball over a little more, this game is tied, and you're going to go into overtime, which is not good, and we'll get to the shocker ones later on. So I want to bring this up because if you're Oklahoma State, you have to be a little worried about your defense. Now, probably about that time you're putting in subs and everything, but you still need to be worried. The reason why Alabama's really good year in and year out is because they recruit well, but their backups play in practice and prepare like they're starters. And that's why when they step into that role during that year when someone gets hurt or the next year when everybody goes to the NFL, they're ready to go. This should be a little concerning to you if you're Oklahoma State. Losing Jim Knowles was was tough. That's, that's tough to lose Jim Knowles as your defensive coordinator. Now, you get Derek Mason to come in from Auburn. Great defensive mind. You saw in the third, first three quarters. But even he is probably pissed off about giving up 22 points to Central Michigan. So... Oklahoma State's defense is something that we need to keep an eye on. Their offense is fine. Spencer Sanders was phenomenal. He was 28-41, 406 yards. He averaged 9.9 yards of completion, and he had four touchdowns. Rushing the ball, they could do a little bit better. Dominic Richardson had 61 yards, but then Sanders chipped in with 57 yards. But they need to get that run game going. But if, if Spencer Sanders is going to give you 406 passing yards, you're going to do it. If Brandon Johnson is going to catch the ball like he did in space, get 22-point yards per catch with 133 yards and a touchdown, cool. But then you allow Central Michigan's quarterback to throw for 424 yards, four touchdowns, and you allow a wide receiver to have 126 yards. So if you're Oklahoma State and you're Derek Mason, you're pissed off and you're starting to wonder, your starters seem to be okay, but you need to have a coming-to-Jesus moment and say, this is not how we play defense here at Oklahoma State. And you're going to have some things that you need to address in that defense. The offense is fine. You're going to have to address that defense um, at Oklahoma State. And Derek Mason is going to have to get that figured out. On to the Big Ten. Um, on, I believe it was Thursday or Friday night, uh, Penn State traveled to play Purdue. Big Ten matchup. I love how the... You know, these conferences, some of them already having a Big Ten game, whether it's week one or week zero. 
they're, they're, they're playing right away. Penn State traveled to Purdue. People are very high on Purdue because they bring back a lot of offensive production. Uh, they have their pro-style passing attack that did very well last year. Purdue had a great season last year. Um, we talked about them on the Big, Big Ten preview, but they went 9-4 and four last year. And the over-under win total for them is 7.5. Penn State did not live up to their standards last year. Uh, they went 7-6 and six last year. They had some injuries, especially at the quarterback position. The over-under win total for them was 8. We talked about that already. Um, Penn State came away with a very close win, 35-31, and they were up big. They scored no, Penn State scored zero points in the first, and they scored zero points in the third. But in the second quarter, they scored 21, and in the fourth quarter, they scored 14. Purdue struggled scoring early. They only had 10 points at halftime, but then they came out blazing and had 14 points in the third and got the game close, and then only scored seven in the fourth. Penn State just kind of stayed the course. Their defense gave up some plays. You know, the bend don't break. Uh, they tackled better than what I thought they would at Penn State. Purdue, Purdue, um, they got to figure out their run game. They're going to rely heavily on Adrian O'Connell. Uh, he had 356 yards of passing, but he had a touchdown. And so that's that bend don't break kind of defense that Penn State's going to have saying, okay, if we can be physical with the wide receivers as they get closer to the to the end zone, we're going to be just fine. Penn State, though, has to figure out a run game to to help out with that pass game. Uh, if you're not going to run an air raid and be like Mike Leach and you have this pro-style passing attack, you can focus on just passing the football. But if you're not going to be exactly like Mike Leach and still attempt to run the football, but you're not going to put all this effort into it, you're not going to win if you're Purdue. You're just not. So their leading rusher... That's 57 yards of rushing yards. That's not going to cut it to win, especially against Penn State. Just not going to happen. Um, Sean Clifford, he was hurt, banged up last year. He comes in with four t- passing touchdowns, 282 yards. That's phenomenal. But Purdue's defense also did step up in the rush, and I think they said, we're just going to let Sean Clifford beat us. We're not going to let you run the football. He's got to beat us. Because they only gave up 98 yards rushing to Penn State. Um... So, which is pretty good. So, Penn State's defense has stepped up, but and they have new guys on defense. But they also um, cannot just live and die all by the pass game, especially in the Big Ten. You know, I keep saying Mike Leach and A-Rate because that's all they practice. They don't really practice rushing the ball. I'm sure they do a little bit, but Penn State or Purdue, I guarantee you, does. But if you do and they take it away and you're relying on Adrian O'Connell to – Pass all over the place. I don't know if that's going to cut it, especially at Purdue. Um, but Penn State starting off with a win over Purdue is huge. Confidence booster for them. Their defense did tackle well, but you can't give up 14 points in that third quarter. And then if you're Purdue, you can't give up 21 points to Penn State. Now, they did each quarterback throw an interception. Um, we're going to go look at team stats here. They're pretty even on yards. Um each only turned the ball over once. Very equally matched game. Great game. And these are the type of Big Ten games we're going to see. I think they're all going to be pretty close. Um, each team has gotten better. Uh, but that's a big confidence booster to Penn State to win. And then it, it makes Purdue go back and look and say, we know we can pass the ball. We know we can do these things. But we've got to establish a run game to ease up and open up the pass game even more. And instead of only throwing for all these yards and only coming away with one touchdown pass is not going to cut it. Then they got to the end zone. Yes, they could run into the end zone, but as as this progresses and people start watching film on Purdue and they're being physical with those wide receivers, 
you have to be able to account for more than just that when you're passing the football if you're Purdue. So Penn State coming away with that win uh, is huge for them, confidence booster. I guess we'll talk about this one next. Has anybody checked in on Oregon? Are they alive? Are they okay? Because that was bad. That was real bad. Now, I know they were playing the defending national champions in Georgia. No Georgia's big, but Georgia is huge. That tight end, I think, was 270 pounds. They are huge. And look, I posted my picks. Um, I said it on on the podcast, and I posted it up everywhere. So I don't lie to you. I'm going to find it. Again, make sure I'm telling you guys the right thing here. Um, I believe I took Oregon plus 16.5. Now, the reason why I took them plus 16.5 was because I thought, it's Oregon. They can move the ball when they need to. Um, And just garbage time at the end. You know, when you're making bets, you're making the bets because you're thinking of those things later on. Um, because Oklahoma State did not cover the spread because Central Michigan came back and scored, and you know they covered their end. So that's why I made that. But people got to check in on Oregon. Are they even alive? Georgia just put the beat down on them. They try to shut up the critics of any anything that people talked about them. Like, oh, they lost all these guys to the NFL draft. How good are they going to be? Coach Monk and their offensive coordinator called a finesse, not a finesse, that's the wrong way to put it, um, vanilla type of offense. Um, Bennett looked good. 25 of 31, 368 yards and two touchdowns. Oregon just came out, you know, old defense coordinator going there saying, hey, you know what? You're not going to rush the football. Georgia wants to run the football. Bennett, you're going to have to beat us. And guess what? He beat them down. Bo Nix was 21 of 37, 173 yards and two interceptions. He did not look good. That offense did not look good. That was not an Oregon offense that we were all used to seeing at all. To only score three points if you're Oregon. I know it's on Georgia, but if you're Oregon, you're thinking, oh, they'll get 17 points, even though it's not a lot, but against Georgia's defense, you would think that would happen. No. Georgia's defense is huge. There was times on screen, like key screens that Oregon tried to run, and Georgia just blew it up and pushed them back. Uh, the way their defensive line penetrated the offensive line, it was a bloodbath. Georgia looks good. Right now it's Georgia, Alabama, and everybody else. It's just that. So maybe I should just stop the show right now. But it's Georgia, Alabama, and everybody else. And we'll get to Alabama later on. Bo Nix did not look good. So that's why there's a part of you that goes, should he have should he have stayed at uh, Auburn? Maybe. Um, even running the ball, they distribute it pretty well. Edwards, 24 yards. Milton, 50 yards. But they said, Stenson Bennett, you've got to you've got to beat us. And by God, he did. He averaged 11.9 yards of completion, and with two, those two touchdowns, Oregon couldn't run the ball. Bo Nix couldn't pass the ball consistently. No receiver, all the receivers are having a hard time getting open. It was bad. It was really, really bad. 
571 yards of offense for Georgia, 313 for Oregon. It's pretty bad. Georgia didn't turn the ball over. Oregon had two. It was just an all-bad, all-around game. But I'm telling you right now, it's probably going to come down to Georgia and Alabama again, and nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. But the way Georgia played, looking at their schedule, I don't know if anybody on their schedule is going to beat them. The only way a team might is if Florida has this huge confidence level, if Tennessee's up-tempo offense catches them, and if Mississippi State's air raid catches them. I don't care. I don't think Kentucky will do it. I was only three right there that I could see anybody doing anything against them. Auburn definitely won't do it. Vanderbilt's not going to do it. South Carolina's not going to do it. So it's probably going to be them in Alabama. Nobody wants to hear that, but I'm sorry. That is exactly what's about to happen, and we need to just accept it. Everybody just sit back and accept the fact that it's Alabama and Georgia. That's it. I don't even want to put Ohio State versus that Georgia team. And we'll get to Ohio State here soon, later on. You can't If you put Ohio State against that Georgia team, Ohio State doesn't do anything. Guaranteed. They don't do anything. Um, the next game we're going to talk about, and I debated on this if I should put this in my week one shockers, um, is the Utah versus Florida game. Now, the reason why I didn't know if I should put this in my shocker episode that will happen uh, later on, uh, to probably tomorrow, is because Utah was ranked 7th in the nation and Florida coming in with new head coach Billy Napier. Are you really that shocked that Florida won? Uh, kind of and kind of not. Now, I, I should have stayed away from this game. I should have. But I, I said Utah minus 1.5. And I should have stayed away from it, but I didn't because, again, I thought this would be a close game. And I thought it would come down to the end, which is exactly what happened. But it was just one of those thoughts I had where if Utah got it last, they'd come down. They went by a field goal. They went by four, whatever it is. It covers the spread. I should have stayed away from it. Um, but I do those because I really didn't really know who was going to win. Um, it was a good game. Uh, Utah... You could tell. I think there was a there was a video of people like throwing up and having a hard time. Because yeah, they're playing in altitude. But if you go down to Florida and it's humid and they're not used to the humidity coming from uh, Utah, they're going to struggle. They're going to not play as well as Florida is in the swamp. And Utah's a good team. They're ranked number seven in the nation for a reason. People were picking them to go to the playoff. Losing to Florida, I think that kind of wipes it out. Now they still have a chance. But it all depends on what how Georgia does, Alabama does, Ohio State does, who they lose to. So Utah, there's a blimmer of hope. That window is still cracked open for them to get to the playoff. But um, I think it's gone. They lose a close one to them. Uh, they lose to Florida 29-26 because they allowed Florida to score 15 in that fourth quarter. It was an evenly matched back and forth. Um Utah still has a very realistic chance to win the Pac-12 because of how Oregon got beat down. Ohio, Utah is a very physical team. Coach Napier coming into Florida kind of shows the cultureness that he was going to bring in to get the guys to play for him. Dan Mullen is a great offensive mind. Nobody will ever deny that. Watching what he did as an OC at Florida, watching what he did with Mississippi State, and even the stuff he was doing on offense while he was the head coach at Florida, you can't deny he was a great offensive mind. Great offensive mind. That's why he was being talked about going to the NFL. Great offensive mind. 
It was culture. It was getting the guys to play and believe and everything else. So people criticized, some people criticized the Billy Napier hired to Florida. And I said, this program, what they need is a guy to come in that's going to recruit well, that relates to the players well, and that's going to get them to play tough. Playing tough can overcome some talent unless sometimes you're playing Alabama. But it just just creates a way to win when you get them to play. And that's what Coach Napier brings to the table when he's at Florida. That's exactly what he's going to bring. And it showed that Utah is number seven in the nation for a reason. And I didn't put this up there in like a shocker because you're Florida. You are an SEC team. You're supposed to beat Pac-12 teams. You're supposed to do this type of stuff. And they did. So that's why this wasn't a huge shocker for me. Anthony Richardson played well. 17 of 24, 168 yards. And managed the game well. And people were really shocked by this because of last year. But last year I said this about Florida. When you rotate in two quarterbacks in a game, it makes it very, very tough to get a rhythm going. I've never liked putting in two quarterbacks. The only time I ever would sit here and say, let's put in two quarterbacks, maybe, was when Florida had Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow would come in in the goal line package because you really had to sit there and decide, well, are we going to go after him because he's running the football? Are we going to drop back because he can kind of pass? Outside of that, I don't really like it. You need to play a quarterback the whole game, and if he's just not getting done and you play the other guy, you got to stick with the other guy. You can't play him for a quarter and then play another guy half of a quarter and then bring the other guy in. If you let Anthony Richardson last year be the guy, be athletic, run the football off his own reads and everything else, it's great because he was also the leading rusher. He had 106 yards rushing, and he could have had way, way, way more. There was times on his own reads, the defensive end for Utah didn't, you know, just he flew up the field and they had no outside backer. He could have pulled it and ran. They could have ran power read stuff. And I don't think Florida was holding back. You talk about some of these other games, you think that they're holding back in their offensive playbook because they want teams to see what they do. I don't think Florida is in that position to do that because they're trying to rebuild. They're trying to get up there and get beaten in the SEC once again. And you're playing the number seven team in the nation. Um, if you let Anthony Richardson do his thing, it's going to put defenses in a bind because you have to decide, do you want him to beat you by passing or running? And he can do both. And then he starts running, get you sucked up, get thrown over the top. So, great for Florida to see them back. I like Utah. I think Utah could probably win the rest of their games. Utah is probably going to win the Pac-12. Just looking around the Pac-12, I think they could beat USC. Even. I don't think USC is going to be quite there yet. Looking at Utah's schedule, it's very realistic they could win. The only teams in there, again, is Oregon and USC that, that could maybe beat them. But I still believe in Utah. They can win the, out the rest of their games. I didn't put this in my shocker because, again, Florida is supposed to do those things. Um, but Utah still cannot win. But first win at Florida for coach Billy Napier. Um, congratulations to him getting his first win there at Florida. Um, but, again, Florida, they're supposed to do this stuff. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All you football coaches out there, it's not too late to still be looking up drills. I know we're in our football seasons, going into our football seasons, but it's never too late to get back to the basics. And Coach Stone has done just that by creating his Back to the Basics drill manuals. So if you go to CoachStoneFootball.com, click on Back to the Basics drill manuals, there's drills out there for everything, special teams, offense, defense, strength and conditioning, everything. He has done all the work for us to be simple, to get these drills to help us. You could be using them in youth, high school, and even college. We, we make things too complicated. We need drills that are simple and back to the basics. His very first book is over 500 pages of drills. So go to, again, go to coachstonefootball.com, click on back to the basics drill manuals, and uh, let's get back to the basics. Thank you, Coach Stone, for sponsoring the podcast. Football coaches out there. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Do you ever stop and think about all the hits your big guys are taking in the trenches, your D-line, your offensive line? Because they hit each and every play. And that's why it's the best position in football. But they take a lot of hits and practices into the game. It's a lot of hits they're taking, a lot of blows. So there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the impact those guys are taking each and every week. And it's Guardian Caps at Guardian Sports. It helps reduce the impact by up to 30%, which is huge. So there's a way to protect the helmets, protect those guys. Uh, again, that's Guardian Sports. If you go to guardiansports.com slash guardian dash caps and you use the code 15 off, it's going to save you 15% off your order. Um, there's different colors out there and it doesn't matter if you're buying one, two, three, four, a hundred. Doesn't matter. It's worn by over five NFL teams. More NFL teams are adding more and more each day and you're seeing on TV and over 200 plus colleges. Again, you're seeing colleges left and right get them. There's a reason why they're getting them. And they that's why you see a lot of linemen and defensive linemen wear them. You've seen Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Penn State, and big-time NFL teams wear them. So if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for us. And I know 
cost money, but I'm here to save you money. So guardiansports.com slash guardian dash caps and use the code 15 off. It will save you 50% off your order. Thank you, Guardian Sports, for sponsoring this podcast. Moving right along. I told you we had a ton of games to talk about. Ton of games to talk about. Cincinnati, who made the college football playoff last year, and everybody loved it. They're throwing everything up, saying this is the first non-power five to make the playoff, and then they saw Alabama, and we all know how that went. But I will give them credit. They scheduled an SEC team at the beginning of the year to play Arkansas and Sam Pittman. This was a back-and-forth game. It was a good game. Now, Coach Pittman's going to say that third quarter is something that he wants to forget. But you have to give credit to Cincinnati for playing an SEC team. They're ranked 23 in the nation. I don't know where they're going to be ranked next week. Arkansas is 19 in the nation. They're trying to rebuild and get that program back up to where they believe they should be. And Coach Pittman might be the coach to do that. They've had some downtime since Coach Bielma has left Arkansas. Arkansas did sneak away with the win, 31-24. to They held Cincinnati scoreless at halftime, winning 14 to nothing. But then Cincinnati found its offensive spark, got in a little groove, got a little swagger going on, and scored 17 in the third and 7 in the fourth. Arkansas only scored 10 in the third, then they scored 7 in the fourth. Cincinnati could not come back late uh, to get the win, but Arkansas comes with the win 31 to 24. And we talk about this because people thought Cincinnati could go in and make a statement win and then go on to be undefeated and make another run to the playoff. People also wanted to talk about this game because if you're Arkansas, there were some games last year you let slip away to even improve your record from last year. Uh, you have a talented guy at quarterback. All the off, all the staff members came back. And that says something about Coach Pittman when they come back. They had offers to go to other places and make way more money. But that says something about Sam Pittman and the culture he's creating with the team, with his coaches, to say, we're all going to come back. We're going to make less money at Arkansas than going to other places, which says a lot. And Coach Pittman's going to get a lot out of his players. And it showed. Their quarterback is talented. K.J. Jefferson had three passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. He passed for 223 yards and ran the ball for 62 yards. So again, that's another quarterback that people aren't prepared for in the SEC of, are you going to make him pass and beat you? Or is he going to use his legs? Because he showed that last year that he could run the football, and he showed that he can pass the ball. He showed that the receivers can get open. He can give him to a bunch of receivers. You have 75 yards, 43 yards, 42 yards, 29-yard receptions. Uh, Sanders, the running back, at 117 yards rushing, which helps relieve K.J. Jefferson in the pass game, which also allows him to run the football because who are you going to pick to stop to run the football? Then Coach Pittman, being an offensive line guy, we have to be fans of him. Got that offensive line to pass protect well. Got them to run the ball well. So this is a team that's going to compete in the SEC. It's a team that's going to be a thorn in the sides of everybody in the SEC, I think. Um, You look at their schedule. They have a tough, tough schedule, but they can win games. I don't know about them being Alabama. Mississippi State would be a tough one. Uh, Old Miss would be a tough one. But they're going to compete in these games. Coach Pittman, I just talked about it with... Coach Napier. Coach Pittman's going to get those guys to play. He's going to get them to play. Now, on the flip side here, Cincinnati did good things against an SEC team. They did pretty well. Ben Bryant, the new quarterback, 325 yards passing, two touchdowns. Now he had an interception. Now, they just could not get the run game going against Arkansas's defense. So, 
Arkansas said, you're not going to run the football. You have to beat us passing. And that's what they did in the third quarter. Got a ton of passing yards. Cincinnati is going to do just fine. Doing this against Arkansas, they're going to be just fine. Looking at their schedule, it's set up again to have another good year. Now, obviously, you're not going to go undefeated. I still think there's a game or two in there they could lose. And the two games they could lose there are Indiana or SMU or UCF. Those are the games that they could possibly lose. They're not going to make the college football playoff. I'm sorry to tell you. If they beat Arkansas and they went undefeated, they would have another case to go to the college football playoff, but they're not. I don't know if we're going to see a non-Power 5 make the college football playoff this year. Cincinnati could have been that team. I don't know if there's another team out there that's going to do it, but it's not going to happen. But Cincinnati is poised to have another great year, and you know Cincinnati fans just have to enjoy it. And so, and then Coach Pittman at the end, he just needed a cold beer. That's all he needed. And everybody loves him. He's a fan favorite. Um, so first win of the year for Arkansas. Now, we're going to talk. We're not going to talk about this game long. Just going to bring it up. The Alabama Crimson Tide. They, well, first of all, they wiped the floor with Utah State. Utah State's not a pushover. They won their conference last year. Alabama looked like they were playing the Little Giants. They beat them 55 nothing. They had 24 points in the second quarter, 17 in the first, 14 in the fourth. Now, they scored none in the fourth. They had their second, third stringers in, and I'm sure Coach Saban is pissed off that they didn't score. I don't think he wanted to try to score and, and, and do all that stuff, but he also wants to coach them up. He wants to get them to play hard. And when you don't score, it's hard for them – he he's he wants the backups to be ready to come. And we're only, I'm only bringing this game up. People have said this is one of the best-looking Alabama teams they have seen in a while. Some say ever, but I don't know if you want to say ever because Coach Saban has had really, really, really good defenses in his time at Alabama. They looked angry. They looked really angry. They are going to be motivated from last year. Losing to Texas A&M pissed them off. Losing to Georgia pissed them off. And if they continue to play angry and continue to play with this motivation, that's not good for anybody playing them. It's not. Are they going to have some close encounters? Probably. It's the SEC. It's a crash course for Alabama and Georgia to play in the SEC championship game again. And then whoever loses will make the college football playoff if they're undefeated. It's going to happen again, and I'm sorry. And we haven't even talked about the college football expansion. That's a whole other episode. I'd rather talk about the games. Alabama just looked angry. Alabama looks, to me, like they're on a mission. They're on a huge mission. And that's not good for people they're going to play at all. And people aren't going to like it in college football because they're going to make it again, but... Sorry. Bryce Young had no problem running the football, had no problem in the pocket broke down to take off. Looked like a Heisman Trophy candidate once again. He had a rushing touchdown and five passing touchdowns. He looks like another he looks like a Heisman Trophy winner once again. He was 18 of 20 on his passes, five carries for the 100 yards, so he averaged 20 yards every time he took off. And that eases pressure off of everybody, opens up the pass game. 
Now, was Utah State going to do anything against them? No. But I just want it to be on notice that Alabama looks mad. They look motivated. I'm sure Nick Saban's motivated. Losing to two former coaches last year motivates him. Not winning the national championship and getting that done motivates them. They're playing angry. And that's not good. And I'm sorry for all you college football fans. It's a crash course again for Georgia and Alabama to meet again in the SEC championship game. And they're both, if they both are undefeated in that SEC championship game, they're both going to make the playoff. I'm sorry. People think it's boring. Beat them. Somebody beat them. I'm sorry to tell you. Let's talk about the primetime game that happened Saturday night. And that is a Notre Dame fighting Irish versus the Ohio State Buckeyes, who everybody is high on. They can beat Alabama. They can beat Georgia. They can win the national championship. Not if they play this way on offense, they're not going to. Now, Ohio State got the win 21-10. to 10. Notre Dame's offense just did not play consistent. They had the very first play was a big gain. They had good plays throughout there. They just weren't consistent. And I'm not saying Ohio State doesn't have a good team. I'm not saying they don't have a good offense. Jim Knowles coming over from Oklahoma State to be the defensive coordinator at Ohio State was a phenomenal hire, and you saw it against Notre Dame. Their defense played much better. They tackled much better. Uh, I think they have better defensive schemes instead of sticking that straight 4-4 all the time. It looked a lot better. Uh, But playing that defense, you know, they scored Notre Dame to 10, yes. But I don't know if that type of defense will get it done against Alabama and Georgia and and whoever. Uh, I think Notre Dame had a lot of condensed sets. They brought a lot of offensive linemen out, which allowed the big guys in Ohio State to do what they needed to do. But Ohio State's offense still didn't do what everybody thought they were going to do. So that's one of two things. Is it because Notre Dame does have, does have a good defense? Uh, Marcus Freeman being the head coach and then bringing in an NFL defensive guy in. Do they really have a phenomenal defense? Uh, yes, they do. But I also think if C.J. Stroud does not play well and they lose whatever receiver's name if he doesn't play well, they have to distribute a little bit more. That's the thing with Oklahoma or, excuse me, Ohio State. Not all Ohio State guys do phenomenal in the NFL. I'm a Bears fan. I wasn't huge on Justin Fields, but at the end of the day, I hope Justin Fields does well. But quarterbacks Ohio State don't always 100% transfer to the NFL because of the offense they run in Ryan Day's system. And with Ryan Day's system, he's a phenomenal offensive mind. But you'll see them overthrow things. I think he tells them who to throw to on certain plays. And C.J. Stroud sometimes was inconsistent last night. Notre Dame does have a good defense, but if the offense sputters like this with Ohio State, they're not going to beat Alabama. They're not going to beat Georgia. They're not going to win the national title. Now, Ohio State's huge. Their offensive line is massive. They've always recruited well for for offensive linemen. But again, C.J. Stroud has to play well, and those wide receivers have to each and every time get open or he struggles because I I do think that he is told who to throw to or say you're only looking at this guy and you're only looking at this guy and that's it. It's not a true like, okay, first read, second read, third read, get rid of the ball. It's look at this guy. He's not open. Well, now you got to figure it out. And I'm not in the meetings. I don't know. But just through time, 
watching this, watching Justin Fields for years, that's what it looks like. And there's times that he makes bad throws and bad decisions. But he still had an okay game. Had an okay game last night against uh, Notre Dame. He had two passing touchdowns. 223 yards of passing. 24-34. Still good. It just took a while to get it going. You know what I mean? He had some bigger throws. Just took a while. The run game. uh, Henderson for Ohio State only had 91 yards rushing. Um, That's not consistent with Ohio State standards. They were so used to them having multiple running backs that are going to get you 100 and some yards per rusher. Um, And that's not up to their standards. Notre Dame's defense held up, but eventually it's going to break. Especially on offense when you're inconsistent. Uh, Their new quarterback, Tyler uh, Butchner, he was 10 of 18 for 177 yards and no touchdowns. Uh, The only person to have a touchdown for them was Esteem, he was a running back. He only had 21 yards, but he had a rushing touchdown. Chris Tyree only had 28 yards rushing. So when Notre Dame doesn't run the football well, it's not going to work. And I think that's why they kept getting those big heavy sets because they want to get the run game going so bad. But Ohio State's defensive line played really well. They got off blocks really well. They disrupted really well. And I'm not saying Ohio State's a bad team. I don't want that to be twisted. They might win every single game they play. But if these are our common themes throughout the season that we're going to see... And you go up against an angry Alabama team. You go up against a monstrous Georgia team. Those type of things are going to come back to haunt you if they don't fix them. Now, they have a whole season to fix it. But what I'm talking about is when people are so high on Ohio State right from the get-go, and you see these type of mistakes game one, it'll be a little bit alarming as the season progresses. Now, Notre Dame needs to just open up the playbook and go. They have talent. They have talent. So the offense for Notre Dame... I don't know if worry, worry is the right way to go about this yet, but you have to be a little bit worried. They tried to hold the ball away from Ohio State. Now, nobody turned the ball over. Notre Dame had the ball for 27 minutes. Ohio State had it for 32 minutes and 59 seconds. But they only had 253 yards of total offense for Notre Dame. Third down was bad for them. Three of 13. Not good. So they need more. They need better play out of the quarterback, and they've got to run the football. Ohio State said you're not running the football on us and making that quarterback play. So they're going to have to figure that out from the Notre Dame side. But Notre Dame does have some upside. The defense looks good. They just, you know, gave up some plays. They're on the field a lot. But so there's some upside in Notre Dame, but they've got to figure it out tomorrow or today, if not last night. It's got to get figured out soon. And, you know, tough game to open up with for Notre Dame, but Marcus Freeman and and company – they're going to have to figure it out now. And I think they will, but they got to figure it out now. Um, to, to slowly end this, I told you a lot to talk about, which is exciting when there's a lot to talk about in college football. Um, it's exciting. It's very, very exciting. Let's talk about Mike Leach, the Pirate, their eight offense in Mississippi State. They had to delay a game, weather, and all that stuff. But they came out and they did what they were supposed to. They beat Memphis uh, 49-23. to Mississippi State scores 14 in the second, or the first and the second, and the fourth, and only scoring seven in the third. They gave up 13 points in the fourth quarter, but when you're up a lot, you know, that's what's going to happen. Will Rogers picked up right where he left off last year. Um, I think he had, he's, he really started to get a grasp on the Air 8 offense last year, and he's going to have a big grasp on it this year. 38 of 49, 450 yards, five touchdowns. He did have an interception, but five touchdown passes. 
We even had two rushing touchdowns from Mississippi State. I'm not going to try to pronounce his first name. I apologize, but Marks, 36 yards rushing and two rushing touchdowns. Dill Johnson at 67 yards rushing. They had 97 yards rushing. When have you ever heard Mike Leach team having 97 yards rushing like that right away? But Will Rogers, the wide receivers helped him out a lot. Getting open, he threw them open. And I, I've said this for a while. When Mike Leach takes over a team, it does take a little bit for a quarterback to grasp the air raid and, and fully see everything. And especially unless they're really like an older quarterback. You know, when, when if you get a transfer and he's an older quarterback, might be able to figure it out. But a guy that's been in the system can figure it out. That's why Washington State, when, when he finally got to that point where they're winning games, they were in the system for a while. I got to see it. And so when you really are around it and get to see it, this is what happens. Now, it's Memphis. It's the Memphis Tigers. No offense to them. It's a good football program. Um, but I'm just saying, like, this is what they're supposed to do. This is what it's supposed to look like. And I said when he got there, it's a team that was recruited to be more of a run, RPO style of offenses. So he's got to get the pass protection drilled into the offensive line. The wide receivers, the way they run routes, has to be drilled in. The quarterback, the way he's progressing, has to be looked at. And this is what's going to happen when it's finally starting to click. So Will Rogers looked good. The defense looked good when you held a team to 23 points. does good. They have a good defensive coordinator. They have good defensive players. So I think Mississippi State, if they if they continue to grasp and take these steps forward, going to be pretty good. So Mike Leach is getting that air raid system going. Now Mississippi State does have a tough schedule especially when they get to Texas A&M, Georgia later on, Alabama, Old Miss. But this could be the type of year you would see, especially when he was at Washington State, a little bit later when he was at Texas Tech, those type of seasons. This could be that breakout type of season because of having Will Rogers, because the right receivers have been in the system for a little bit. The assistant coaches are really grasping on what he wants to do. So I would be watching out for Mississippi State this year in the SEC, especially when everybody is finally kind of getting that grasp on what he wants and what they're trying to do. We're not going to spend too much time on this next one because there was a delay of game in this one too. But Texas A&M was in the news a lot in the offseason. They played Sam Houston State, or Sam Houston Bearcats first, who is a good program, good, great football program. Now, they won 31-0, which is what they're supposed to do. But the very early on, being this offensive juggernaut in mind that Texas A&M is supposed to be, you would think they would have scored more. And they had offensive struggles at the beginning. They really did. And I just want everybody to point that out in – do these recruits that they're getting in gel well with what the offense is trying to do or the defense is trying to do? Now, to hold a team to zero points, you have to give them credit. To score 31 points, you have to give them credit. And they finally started to click. They scored 7-10-7-7. But did they not open up the playbook? Which I always find to be weird if you don't open up some of it. You know, who cares if it's on film? People are going to find it on, you know, like, it doesn't matter. You know, just open it up. But the struggles they had on offense at the very beginning was a credit to Sam Houston, but they're supposed to be this great offensive team this year, and having the struggles that they did 
should be somewhat alarming. Now, when you look at the numbers, you're going to say, Steve, what do you mean struggles? Because uh, um, Haynes King had 364 yards passing and three touchdowns. Yeah, but he also had two interceptions. Running the ball did not go well for them at all. They only had 110 yards rushing, 42-yard rusher, 35-yard rusher. So being this team where they do run the football, which opens up the pass for them, that's something that later on might affect Texas A&M because of the struggles they were having early on. They play Appalachian State, which we'll talk about in our shocker one. They scored 61 points. Okay, Miami, not going to be a pushover this year. Arkansas is not going to be a pushover. Mississippi State, not going to be a pushover who beat Texas A&M. Then Alabama's going to wipe the floor with them because they're pissed off. Lane Kiffin, offensive guru, could move the ball on them. A confident Florida team could come and hit them in the mouth. And we don't know what LSU is going to look like. So having those struggles early on, with all the attention that you brought upon yourself in the offseason, cannot be ignored. It cannot be ignored. And so I would pay attention to some of those struggles that they were having at the beginning. They, they got the win, and that's all that matters. But And credit to Sam Houston, but we always go by principle. And by principle, Texas A&M should not have those struggles. So it just looks like FCS teams are catching up to subpar Division One, even though Texas A&M is not subpar, but they're catching up. But some of those struggles I think we have to keep an eye on as the season goes on, if they're going to continue to have those struggles. To end the episode of this College Football Week 1 review, I tried to tell you all about Syracuse. I'm not saying Syracuse is going to go on this huge time run and win the championship, no offense, Dino Babers. People have commented saying, bias this, bias that for me. I've seen Coach Babers coach up close and personal when he was at EIU and I helped out spring ball. Babers has proven that he can win games. He's proven he can help turn around programs. He's done at Syracuse. Now it's the longevity of Syracuse of what he can get. And people really high on LSU, or Louisville. Really high on them. And I stayed away from betting on the Syracuse game just because I didn't know. Syracuse, I already talked about them on the ACC one. They had a rough season last year because they were... This That was probably one of the youngest teams that Coach Babers ever had. They struggled on offense. They had some injuries, but they were super young. And I said, the type of offense that he wants to run, when you're super young and you want to go this up-tempo and you really want to go fast and do all this stuff, it doesn't always translate well. And then people are going looking at Syracuse going, well, he's made so many changes, changes offensive coordinators the past couple of years. And yes, that is alarming when that happens. Sometimes that happens, that kind of shows a head coach could be on his way out. But I try to tell you, Coach Babers is a smart guy. He's a really good coach. He can get guys to play and play for him and play tough. And I said, last year they were very young. Coming in, they're going to play much better this year. I stayed away from the game because I didn't know exactly how they were going to look. They have a new offensive corner coming in from Virginia. And so you're going to see a different type of offense. And watching the game with LSU, or I keep saying LSU, Louisville, they weren't as up-tempo as they have been from that Baylor offense that Coach Babers came in. You saw different formations, a lot of wing, a lot of fullback, H-back, the sniffer guy, whoever you want to call it. You saw a lot of that. You saw more designed quarterback runs. You saw quick game. 
And you saw Coach Babers loved gap scheme, but you saw some zone. And they weren't as up-tempo. They still were no huddle. They could go fast if they wanted. But I'm telling you, Coach Babers at practices, when he was at EIU, had a stopwatch. That ball had to be snapped 10 to 12 seconds, if not faster. They were not snapping the ball that fast at Syracuse. And so that shows that Coach Babers is saying, okay, these are the type of players we have. I want to be no huddle. I want different formations. I want a simpler offense because of how young we were. And it shows to him, if this happened, I'm not saying this happened, but if this is how it's going, he probably just sat there and said, hey, if we have to slow it down a little bit, just a hair, and how formation the guys were playing, then let's do it. And their offensive line looks big. They have speedy receivers. Quarterback played well. Against a team in Louisville that's kind of make or break for their head coach and people were high on Louisville, I think Syracuse played well. They went 31-7. to Their defense played well against the speed of Louisville, controlling the quarterback run. Like, they did what... This is a much better, going to be a more improved team. And we'll see if that continues to develop, because if they stay where they are now, they'll have another rough year at Syracuse. But I tried to tell you that Coach Babers... Now, I didn't predict that a team would snap the ball this slowly compared to what he wants. And the the, the change that they were making there, I, I didn't predict that. But I said if they come out and they beat Louisville... And have a good and start off good. They will have a, a better year this year than they did last year, because Coach Babers is a good coach and is willing to make those type of decisions and get guys to play. I try to tell you all about Syracuse and Coach Babers, but I'm biased. I've been commenting on these videos and stuff. People saying I'm too biased and I gotta leave the biased out and. What's the difference between my bias and ESPN bias and everything else? Well, my bias is, is that they just talk to those people. I got to see the practice plan and see what goes on. Um, but Syracuse quarterback, um, Garrett Trader, played well. 237 passing yards, two touchdowns. Um, he had 95 yards rushing, too, so that's what I mean by getting more quarterback involved in the run game. Uh, Sean Tucker, their running back, had 98 yards rushing, which is good. And they just spread the ball around to all their different receivers. And then their defense holding Mark Cunningham, who they're going to want to run the quarterback at Louisville. He had 150 yards passing and only 34 yards rushing. So they said, you're going to have to beat us through the air. And he had two interceptions, no passing touchdowns. So they were going to control the run game and say, you know what? You want to move the quarterback around. You want him to run. Yeah, he might break away sometimes, but we're going to make him pass. So it all depends on who they're going to play. So to start off... Positively for Syracuse, they could beat UConn next week. Um, if they can hold Purdue, they can beat them. So there are some games that they're gonna they can win early on in the year until they get to Notre Dame and Clemson and Pitt and all that. So there are some games Syracuse can win this year, starting off this confidently. But I just wanted to bring this up because I tried to tell some of y'all about Syracuse and Coach Babers. Um, but good. Congratulations to, to Coach Babers and Syracuse getting their first win. Whew. Long episode. Try to get through some of the cultural ball uh, reaction, review on some. We'll have another one coming out. College football week one shockers. 
You know, there were some upsets. There were some games that didn't go the way we all thought they were. We talked about some today, but we'll talk about more um, later on. Um, We still got a game tonight with LSU and Florida State. And then we'll have Clemson and Georgia Tech. Hopefully there are some good games there. Um, Longer episode. Thank you guys for sticking through it. Um, Like and subscribe. YouTube channel, follow and rate it wherever you get your podcasts. And please rate on Apple and iTunes. Helps go a long way. Follow me at Coach underscore Steve72 on Twitter. Leave a comment in the comment section down below. Uh, Check out all the other episodes. Thank you guys again for watching and or listening. Check out all the affiliates. This is Coach Steve, and we will see you next time. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.